Another songwriter said, the world behind me, the cross before me. And we're going to speak about that subject tonight. Who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. We're going to kind of do a little Bible study tonight, but then toward the end, hopefully make a little bit of an application to it. Matthew chapter 16 is where we'll be tonight. Matthew 16 and verse number 13 through 16, page number 10. 21 in your old Schofield reference Bible, and I want to say, Psalm 122, 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I still haven't got over that we are back in church tonight, and uh, just what a good service we had Sunday. Did preacher not just preach lights out Sunday morning and Sunday night? I'm still reliving those messages in my mind. And, uh, you know, while the trio was singing Sunday morning, while Brother uh, Brian and Miss Marcy and Miss Lisa were singing, you know, preacher was getting excited. I was, well, I can't say I was getting, I was getting excited, but I was more getting teary-eyed and started wiping the tears away. And I looked over at preacher and I said, and some of the governors want to call this non-essential you can't call this non-essential. You can't call us meeting together non-essential. The church is essential. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? It was a rough 10 weeks, rough. I even tallied up the days. It was right around 70 days since we went without church and meeting as a collective body and everything. So it's, it's a joy to be here tonight. It also was a joy Sunday to be here. It, it Really, last Sunday was one of those Sundays I'll probably never forget. It was such a special time. Who would have thought four or five months ago that all this was going to go down? And if I would have come to, let's say I came to Brother Shane and said, Brother Shane, the church is going to be shut down. And not, not just our church, but churches all across America are going to be shut down for 10 weeks. He would have looked at me very cross-eyed and said, you you have lost your mind and probably would have wanted to send me for a drug test or something. But, uh, but uh, praise the Lord, well, that's behind us. Thank goodness that uh, uh, the judge over in eastern North Carolina deemed churches essential. I don't know if any of you got to listen to that, the, the case a little bit, but uh, a few Sunday nights when I got out of church, I was on my way home and I turned on to 8.80 a.m. and heard Brother Beatty down in Winston talking about the, the court hearing and everything. And I think that judge down in eastern North Carolina... He was sitting on go to light into the, the governor's council. I'll just say it plainly. I mean, it was unbelievable. I was on my way home, driving down Main Street and King, getting all choked up. and thought, well, this is good. Then my radio started cutting out. I turned back around. I went back down to the, the, the transit parking lot over there up off Newsom Road right there, and I just sat there. I recorded it about 35 minutes long, and that judge was just going off. I, and then Brother Beatty said, you know, that judge probably could have passed for a Baptist deacon. I mean, he was, he was sitting on go, ready to let him have it. I mean, gave him the what for, and he, he, he told the governor counsel, he said, you mean to tell me I can hop on a plane, I can get, uh, get on a plane, in a confined space with about 40% capacity on the plane. I can go down to Atlanta, see my family, come get back on a plane, be in another confined space, but, we, but the churches can't have 11 people in there? And, the, I mean, the judge was just letting me have it, and I said, yeah, this is good. So praise the Lord, we're back, and uh, I just enjoy it. I, I, when I got home Sunday morning after church, y'all ever do this? You get home from church, and maybe you, you, you look in the mirror, and you just see, okay, was everything okay? And I looked in the mirror, I had dried tears all over my glasses. I mean, I looked like a bum. And I thought, man, I hope nobody saw me because they thought, man, this guy's crazy. But it's good to be back. So don't forget about services Sunday morning, sections 1 and 2, 10 a.m., sections 3 and 4, 8.30 a.m. And let me encourage the 8.30 crowd when you come. Let's come with our amens. Let's back our preacher. Let's say amen while he's preaching because I'll give you a clue. 
when you say amen, he gets revved up even more, and he'll just preach. The, he's going to preach regardless, but those amens awfully do help quite a bit. So let's, let's come ready. Let's come with our Bibles. Let's come with an expectant spirit. Continue to pray for your church. Pray for our pastor as he navigates all this coronavirus and everything going on. Obviously, the way we come back to church is not the same. The, not the way that it has been. So let's just remember to continue to pray for him and all the decisions he has to make on a daily basis. And I mentioned earlier, please continue to pray for churches around the country. And so let's get right into the Word of God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 16, Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 13, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So here we see Peter's confession of faith and we can go on and read and it talks about how uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. it's really the start of the church the Lord Jesus said hey upon this rock I will build my church we're not going to speak about that tonight we're going to speak about this subject of who Jesus is you know a lot of people have different ideas about who the Lord Jesus is some believe he was just a good person some believe he was a prophet there's all kinds of different beliefs out there about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And I want to give you several things tonight. Some of it may be reviewed to you, but I want to challenge if you're in the habit of taking notes or jotting notes down in your Bible, this may help you. Maybe when you're at work or maybe when you're at a grocery store and, and maybe the subject of the Lord Jesus Christ comes up and somebody asks you, well, who is this Lord Jesus? Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? Or who was Jesus? Or who is Jesus? I should really correctly say, who who is Jesus? Maybe these few things I give you tonight might be a help to you, but to give you a little bit of the context of the story, in Matthew 16 and where it starts in verse number 1, there was a group of people called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You can see it there in verse 1. And they, they, these people would constantly come to Jesus, and they wanted to, to get a sign from the Lord Jesus. They would come to him and say, If you're truly the Lord Jesus Christ, Show me a sign. Make a miracle happen or do this or do that. And, and sometimes he would, but a lot of times he wouldn't. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't necessarily care for that presentation at this particular time. And so what he did is he actually just left the group of people and talked to them a little bit, but he ended up leaving and he retreated and traveled to the other side of the lake. He went over across the lake and he, he found himself a blind man. And what did he do there? He healed that blind man. And so he performed the miracle out of the presence of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so then he began to tell the blind man, he said, hey, don't, don't tell anybody that I did this. Just, just keep it quiet. And, you know, during, the, during this time, the disciples, they were kind of getting, uh, their faith began to wax a little low and, and just kind of drop a little bit. And they thought, man, here, here's the Son of God, here's the Christ, and yet he's not proving who he is to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so their faith began to weigh low a little bit. And obviously the Lord Jesus Christ was God himself, but undoubtedly he was uh, omnipotent, he was omniscient, he was omnipresent, but he was all-knowing. So he must 
have known that the disciples' faith began to wax low a little bit. And so he came to the disciples and he says in verse number 13, he says, uh, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? So now he's asking his own people. He says, Who do you say that I am? And then in verse number 14 he says, And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. They thought, Well, maybe he's John the Baptist. Or maybe Elias, that would be Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, that would be Jeremiah the prophet, or one of the prophets. Or and some, some of them thought that maybe he was uh, not, not necessarily the disciples, but some of the people that, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, they thought maybe he was a demon-possessed. Some of them thought he was a Samaritan. But Jesus comes to them and says, Hey, whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter pipes in. He says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And so we see his confession here. And I want to ask you, whom say ye that the Lord Jesus Christ is? I jotted down just a few things tonight. Number one, Jesus is the incarnate one. Jesus is the incarnate one. They're all going to start with the letter I tonight. He is the incarnate one. When we say that, it just simply means, the word incarnate means to clothe with flesh or to embody in flesh. So the Lord Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He was clothed in flesh. He made earlier Old Testament appearances. We believe it was the Lord Jesus Christ that appeared in the furnace of fire with the three Hebrew children and other uh, what we call the appearances of Christ. But he was in the flesh. He came born of a virgin. God became man when he came to the earth in the flesh some 2,000 years ago. He was 100% God and 100% man. He was virgin born. He was the only person to be ever born of a woman, but not of a man. Amen. He was the only one. In 1 Timothy 3, and verse number 16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. This is my Jesus. You know what? When they came to Peter and he says that, you know, there was some things that were uh, implied or, or when he made that choice that he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. One of the things that Peter was implying was, hey, I'm with you, the Lord. I'm with you, Jesus Christ. I'm going to serve you. He was implying that he was going to be full of devotion. He was implying that he was going to be full of loyalty and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So it implied full devotion. Another thing that it did was it, it said, hey, your king, he said, hey, thou art the Christ. The word Christ means anointed one or the, or the king. And he said, hey, Peter said, Lord, you're the Christ. And you know what he was doing? He said, if, if, if Christ is the king, then I'm the subject. I'm the one that's supposed to put my submission under you, and I'm going to serve you and give you my life. You know what? That's what we need to do as Christians. Say When we say Christ is the Son of the living God, we need to say, Christ is King. I'm the subject. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. I will submit to the King of kings and Lord of lords. He said to Philip, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ said to Philip in another location, he said, when ye have seen me, ye have seen the Father. Matthew 1.23, he said, uh, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. God was incarnate. He was in the flesh. You know, billions and billions in this world do not know 
what you and I know. You know, we're privileged to live not just in the United States, but really we're privileged to live in the, in the South where there is some degree of a good amount of Bible knowledge. And I know not everyone out there believes like we do, but if you were, were born in a state like I was born in, I mean, you have to start from scratch. You have to go back and, and begin to tell people about the book of Genesis and how man was created because they don't have any concept of God. They don't have any concept of the Lord Jesus Christ. So billions don't know this, and that's why the preacher preached this past Sunday on Jesus is calling soul winners. That's our job, to tell it with others, to tell people, hey, you might know who Christ is. You might have a head knowledge, but do you have a heart knowledge? We're to witness on the job. We're to witness to our neighbors. We're to witness to those around us. Jesus is the incarnate one. Number two, Jesus is the immutable one. He doesn't change. He's never changing. Hebrews 13, verse number 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. We used to sing a chorus when I was a, was when I was a, a young kid. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. I know I'm not the greatest singer, but glory to his name. You know, he's the same yesterday today and forever. He changes it not. You know what? We might change. You know, his holiness, it doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love for us doesn't change. When you and I mess up, and we will, he never stops loving us. His love is immutable. It just keeps going and going and going. You know, it, it's sad. Sometimes people will go to the, an altar, and they'll uh, give the vows to their spouse, and they become married, and everything's great for the next few years, and then maybe children come along, and there's a certain degree of stressors that come come along with that and joys and maybe hardships come on the job or maybe there's health reversals or financial issues that pop up and you know what sometimes couples will fall out of love and there's numerous reasons for that we won't get into all that tonight but love is a decision you know in our marriages we have to decide through the good through the bad I'm just going to love this person I'm going to keep with them but you know what the Lord Jesus Christ his love doesn't change we might fall short, we might, might sin, we might displease him, but his love does not change. You know, even in the Bible, we see where people's love for the Lord Jesus Christ, at one time it was hot, another time it was cold. We see where the crowd, even when Jesus came in and they, he made his triumphal entry, what did they cry to him? They cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. That just simply is an exclamation of adoration. They were just adoring who the Lord Jesus Christ was. But what did they do just a few days later? What did they say? They were yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. Their love was waning. They, they changed. But the Lord Jesus Christ, his love does not change. So we don't have to worry about that with God because he will never stop loving us. You say, well, you say, well, you don't know what I did over these last 10 weeks. You don't know uh, maybe the, to the times I fell or I wasn't what I was supposed to be or maybe I got impatient or maybe I looked at something I shouldn't have or maybe I, I thought something I shouldn't have thought or maybe I said something or, or did this or do that. His love for us never changes. It's the same. It's immutable. Number one, Jesus is the incarnate one. Jesus is the immutable one. And then Jesus is the infinite one. Jesus is the infinite one. He is limitless. He is without limit. He is endless. He is boundless. Boy, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Matthew 19, 26, it says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Maybe you're here tonight and you have a situation you say, I don't know how the Lord is going to work this out. Maybe you've got bills that are coming due and you don't know how it's all going to work out. Or maybe there's a, maybe you got a, a, an x-ray done. There's a spot on the scan that's showing up and you don't know how it's all going to work out. Or maybe there's a, a marital situation that's on the rocks and you don't know how it's all going to work out. He's the infinite one. He's endless. He's boundless. With God, all things are possible. And he can do anything. The song says, is anything too hard for God? What's the answer? If the answer is simply no. Nothing's too hard for God. Jeremiah 33 and verse number 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, I've heard one person say, I think it was Brother John R. Rice said, all our failures are prayer failures. Are we, do we not have because we don't ask? And maybe that's why we don't have things in our life like joy and peace and different things and forgiveness because we're not asking we need to ask he's in, he's the infinite one he's infinite in his ability he cleansed the lepers he turned the water into wine he walked on the water he he healed the blind he raised Lazarus from the dead he raised Jairus's daughter from the dead he calmed the raging sea he is infinite in his ability and one day he's going to raise us from the dead you know, a couple weeks ago, I traveled out to California with my, my son. I got word that my mom wasn't doing real great, and so we went out there uh, shortly after this, the, the, she got out of the hospital because I couldn't go see her while she was in the hospital. And so during that time, my, my father, he's buried out there, and he, he died about two months after my, my wife and I were married back in 2001. He passed away of, of cancer. And uh, so we, my, my son and I said, why don't we go by the, the grave and, and just see and, and just have a time there. So we went by there, and you know what? I, I, we went by there into the graveyard, and we knelt down. We took a few pictures and everything. And, uh, and everyone grieves differently when it comes to death, but I didn't get real worked up about the grave I just kind of man you can call me cold or whatever but I just kind of looked at the grave like this is not where my dad is one day in his in God's infinite ability what is he going to do he's going to raise that that dust back up and we're going to have e eternal life in heaven you know I know one day that grave's going to pop open I'll see my dad again you say how do you know that brother Mark well let me read you first Thessalonians 4 and verse number 16 it says for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And it says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Hey, I'm going to see my dad once again, I'm going to see other loved ones up in heaven one day. I have that joy. I have that peace because it's found in the word of God. He's infinite in his ability. He's infinite in his authority. He is all powerful. Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says in Philippians 2 and verse number 9 through 11, it says, Wherefore God has also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ 
is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's the ultimate authority. He's the almighty God. He's the highest authority. You know what? We have the law of the land, but we also have the law of the Lord. And which one's higher? Obviously, the law of the Lord Jesus Christ is the highest. You know what? Throughout this pandemic, and this is just a hypothetical situation, but let's say the government uh, got together and maybe the uh, CDC got together and they figured out that, hey, a, 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 a can of beer or maybe a glass of wine a day is going to just make this whole coronavirus go away. And they said, you have to do this. You know what? What's going to be higher? The law of God or the law of the land? It's going to be the law of God. We ought to obey God rather than man. The Bible says not even to look upon it. You know, a preacher talked about this a while back, and he talked about how there was some church, and they were debating alcohol. And I thought, really? In a church? I mean, the Bible says don't even look upon it. And yet we're having a discussion about whether it's allowed, and some, some, somebody had said that, oh, well, we don't even really talk about in that in this church. I'm thinking it's right in the Bible. How do you not, not preach about it? How do you not talk about it? We have God's law. God is the ultimate authority. Jesus is infinite in his atonement. Jesus is infinite in his atonement. Isaiah 53 and verse number 6. You know, well, the word atonement is just simply the fact that he suffered for us. He suffered for you. He suffered for me. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Aren't you glad that, hey, he took our sin, he bore it on Calvary, he died on the cross and said, it is finished. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. May we get it out. May we get the message out to others around us. Hey, Jesus Christ paid it all. All to him I owe. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 and verse number 9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, meaning he became man for us. He was incarnate, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for, what are those two words? Every man. It doesn't mean for just a select few. It doesn't mean for just a limited amount of people. You know, there's a teaching out there that uh, there's limited atonement and there's just a uh, just certain group of people that can be saved. No, the Bible says he tasted death for every man. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says in 1 Peter, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Aren't you glad? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fact. Everybody won't be saved, but everybody can be saved. 1 John 2, 1 through 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Aren't you glad we have an advocate? You know, during this time, there's so many lawsuits flying around from this group to that group. But you know what? We have the ultimate lawyer, the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on our behalf. What's the word advocate mean? It just simply means one who pleads the cause of another in, in court. Yeah, I'm glad that Jesus pleads our cause for us. I don't have to speak for my sins. All I look, I, I turn, if, if the judge asked me, if the God were to ask me, all I do is look over at the Lord and say, would you speak for me? And he says, hey, I died on the cross for that person. I, I died on the cross to give them eternal life. We have the best lawyer. He's our advocate. Number four, Jesus 
is the incomparable one. Jesus is the incomparable one. No one matches up to him. No one compares to him. There is nobody like Jesus. He's so much greater. He's so much better. The creator is greater than the creation. The savior is greater than the sinner. The good shepherd is greater than the sheep. The light of the world is greater than the darkness. Our God is greater than the God of this world. The joy of the Lord is greater than the pleasures of sin for a season. The true Christ is greater than the Antichrist. No one can compare to the incomparable one. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is higher than the highest. He's purer than the purest. He's holier than the holiest. He's nearer than the nearest. You know, when it seems God is distant, he's right there near us. All we have to do is pray to him and say, God, help me. He's fairer than the fairest. He's more lovely than the loveliest. He's more true than the truest. He's stronger than the strongest. You say, well, you don't know what I battle. You don't know the things that I face. He's stronger than the strongest. He's strong. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's stronger than the strongest. He's more true than the truest. He's sweeter than the sweetest. The Psalm 34 verse 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. He's, the, he's wiser than the wisest. A greater than Solomon is here. He's kinder than the kindest. He's better than the best. He's more wonderful than the wonderful. He's Jesus. That's my God. He's the incomparable one. He is incomparable in his mercy. It endures forever and forever and forever. He's incomparable in his forgiveness. Aren't you glad for forgiveness? 1 John 1, 7, in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. Just two verses later in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Boy, he's a good God. He's incomparable. He's incomparable in his goodness. He's incomparable in his blessing. He's incomparable in his grace. Brother Brian led us in that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. The children's family sang, Thank God for Grace. He's incomparable. I got a feeling many of us, like I said earlier, are way behind on praising God for who he is. And then in closing, number five, Jesus is the indispensable one. Jesus is the indispensable one. You say, what does that mean? It means absolutely necessary. It, just like you take uh, the life of a man, that man needs, or that lady needs, air, water, food. Those, are, those things are absolutely necessary. They are, to put it in 2020 vernacular, to put it in COVID-19 language, to put it in coronavirus verbiage, they are essential. And you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ is essential. You know, I'm so glad that the president came out and said what he said, that churches are essential. We need prayer and all that. But more importantly than church being essential, I want to declare tonight that Jesus is essential. He's absolutely necessary in our life. We need him in our life. You know, and I say that I love the church. I wouldn't have come and worked for our pastor and, and worked at this great Woodland Baptist Church if I did not love the church. But you know what? We're going to close with a statement, and then we'll say just a few more comments. But more important, I want to say this, more important than a return to church is a return to God. 
You know, if we will return to God, I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to me, I'm speaking to this country. If we will return to God, church will take care of itself. We'll realize that the Bible says in Hebrews 10 and verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but it doesn't say, but so much the less. It says, so much the more as ye see the day approaching. As we see those last days approaching, as we see the governors go coming down on churches, and I don't know if we're, if we're in the last days or not. It might appear that way a little bit sometimes, but you know what? Regardless, as we think the, resur- the, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ is getting closer and closer, may we so much the more be faithful to God's house. And I know I'm preaching at the choir. This is a Wednesday night. You're here. You came through the, the storm. You came through uh, fighting maybe a little bit of fear about this pandemic and everything, but, but, but more important than a return to church is a return to God. Let me ask you, dear Christian, tonight, how, how was your Christian life over those last 10 weeks? Did you stray? Did you, did you realize that God was absolutely necessary? Every morning when you woke up or every evening when you pillowed your head, did you have that on your mind? I need God. Jesus is essential. We sing that song, Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. We sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Jesus came to the disciples, and he said, whom do men say that I am? Jesus asked that question, and Peter piped in and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, hey, this is who Jesus is. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the king. He's the Son of God. So number one, Jesus is the incarnate one. Jesus is the immutable one. Jesus is the infinite one. Jesus is the incomparable one. No one compares to him. Jesus is the indispensable one. He's absolutely necessary for our life. Christian, we're we're in the middle of a week. We need him tomorrow when we go back to work. We need him when we go back to work on Friday. You know why? Because we're in a fight for our life against the world, the flesh, and the devil. That every day we wake up, we're fighting those three things. And may we realize that. May we realize, hey, Jesus is essential. Church is essential. But boy, we need even more than church. We need our Bibles. We need prayer. We need the Holy Spirit to help us day in and day out as we seek to live for him. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. How about you tonight, Christian?